What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang, and we are coming at you on a little bit of a somber note today on this Thursday morning. Pat and I are recording about 15 minutes after the final whistle of the Marquette game from Wednesday night, Villanova's fifth loss of the season to Marquette, the first loss at the Finneran Pavilion since 2018, and that Marquette win ends Villanova's six-game winning streak, 57-54. to was the final score. Pat, it came down to it. You were there. How you feeling? Tell us a little bit about the game. Uh, frustrated. Very, very yeah. frustrated to see that one slip away late. Um, it, it was great being there. I, I think from the games I've been at this year at the Pavilion, it was the best and most energetic crowd that we've seen so far for you know a, a primetime 8 o'clock Big East game against a team that's on fire right now in, in Marquette. And, of course, Shaka Smart's first trip to the Pavilion as well uh but oof, it uh, definitely stings a little bit to uh, to drop that one especially where they were with about 10 minutes left in that game yeah seems like we've had that conversation before once or twice <laughs> once or twice i do not think it is i mean i think it's completely accurate to say that these were the two hottest teams in the conference matching up yes definitely. marquette was on yep. a four game winning streak i believe coming into this game that sounds so now right. they've won five straight and then villanova had won six straight coming in we thought, I think you and I, and maybe collectively people thought that if this game was on the road, it would have been even more difficult being mm-hmm. home. We gave Villanova the slight advantage, but you and I agree. This was an incredible showing by Marquette. Yes, Villanova had this game. We will get into the nitty gritty and how they let it slip away, but I am so impressed by this Marquette team. We talked about it a lot on Tuesday in our preview about how this was supposed to be the transition year and Shaka Smart's first year. And right now, I don't know who would want to face Marquette in the in the national championship, in the tournament, like that <laughs> whole thing. It's crazy. Uh, it, it feels like anything but a transition year, which is not what I expected at all with Shaka and, you know, the, the amount of change that went on with this Golden Eagles program. Uh, to your point, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I will go at Villanova for a couple things that really ticked me off in this game um, and that I think contributed to their loss here. But all the credit has to go to Marquette. that They found a way to come on the road, to go into the pavilion, the Finneran Pavilion, where no road team really ever wins. And they beat Villanova at Villanova's game and that they hit a ton of threes and they shot really well from deep. And that's all they were really looking to do. It kept them in the game for most of it. And it's what put them over the top there at the end with the Justin Lewis three. So I think Marquette had a game plan. I think they executed it really well. We can talk about it a little more, but I'm looking at this mostly credit to Marquette and then a few nagging things that I'll go with ticked me off. I could use much stronger words, but I won't uh, about Villanova. Yeah, I feel the same way. I actually thought it would be worth starting with Justin Lewis, too, because he was one of the few stalwarts of this team, the remnants of Steve Wojciechowski's tenure at Marquette. I think about all the his time, parting but, gift. Yeah, really? right. It, what would Dawson Garcia do on this team? Oh, that's a great of, question. Of course, transferred to UNC in Woj's wake. Uh, excuse and, me. Who else did they lose? Theo John. Me. Theo John. Theo John. Sorry, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Oh my God. We shed a tear for the loss of Theo John from the Big East. Uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I I can't say I miss not watching Theo John just foul people 24 Mm -hmm. 7, but enjoy Duke. Yeah. So, Justin Lewis. um, Yeah, sorry for the (laughs) sidetrack. Pat will just take any opportunity to bash Theo John. So Justin, Justin Lewis and Greg Elliott were the two guys. And the reason why we mentioned transition is because all of the new names around them, whether it's the tram- transfers in Daryl Marcel or whether it's the freshmen in the majority of players on this team and Lewis and Elliott looked like leaders mm-hmm. on Wednesday and going into Big East play. We said it on Tuesday as well. Marquette dropped their first three games. And they looked like a shell of themselves. This is a team that is playing under its leaders. And you saw it on that last shot. It's a rock fight every single time. They're giving it everything they have. And sometimes, like it did on Wednesday, the shots just fell. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, they they certainly did. So I, I do want to look at Justin Lewis, one of their fake freshmen who is in year mm-hmm. two, but, but still uh, considered as a freshman. And there's the jump that he's made is, is so impressive. 
you know, just a year ago, averaging about eight points, he's pretty much doubled that production and has become the guy for Marquette, uh, averaging over 15 points a game. You know, it, it's more of the athleticism with Justin Lewis that makes him so kind of tantalizing as a prospect. But of course, we saw tonight he can shoot a little bit. It was actually really surprising. He shot 50% from the field and just honestly, shockingly, five for eight from three because coming in on the year, shooting just 27% from beyond the arc, but he was not missing from deep tonight. I think that really goes into the progression with, with Lewis. It's also, as I talk about, you know, how, how good he is. It's also one of my bigger frustrations with Villanova tonight in knowing that Justin Lewis is the guy that's really going to hurt you uh, for Marquette offensively. I know Greg Elliott had a really good game. Greg Elliott normally doesn't scare me, but he came out firing as well. But Justin Lewis is the guy that you have to know you have to key in on and not allow him to get off these shots and not allow him to get hot. And they did that multiple times today. Yeah, I had been fearful of that idea in the past after watching Freeman Liberty and Ryan Hawkins. And when you think about RJ Cole or Adama Sonogo, all the other big playmakers in the Big East. Elliott scored 14. He had a crazy good game, especially in the second half. I think Villanova did a decent enough job handling him. Yeah. It seemed like, again, this was the same way it was against DePaul. Eliminate JFL, eliminate DePaul, eliminate Ryan Hawkins, eliminate Mm -hmm. Creighton, eliminate Justin Lewis, eliminate Marquette, and they couldn't do it. And the worst part is that they only scored 54 points of their own. Yeah. So. I, I believe, uh, yeah, Justin Lewis was the leading scorer in the entire game, and it wasn't particularly By far, close. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's tough to see the defense, which has been steadily improving for so many games in a row now, kind of lay an egg here. And a lot of these Marquette shooters had good nights. I mean, when you look at the three-point line, Lewis was five for eight, like you said. Elliot was four for six. Marcel was two for five. That's good. But it was 57-54, so it, mm-hmm. it came down much more to me on the offensive end. Yeah, I, it's defensively laid an egg but didn't lay an egg because if you look at Marquette, and we talked about it kind of on the preview, you know, through their winning streak, 88 points, 92 points, 87 points, 73 points. True, like, true. like This Marquette team has been scoring the basketball in bunches and were held to just 57 tonight, but it, it felt like there were some some brain lapses here in the, the game that I drew so many parallels to, though, of course, by final score, it's not even close as Creighton part one, where what Marquette did and Villanova hadn't had an issue since that Creighton game was they pushed the ball up really quickly and they tried to get a shot within like the first three or four seconds of the shot clock, especially in the corner. Uh, And they were able to exploit Villanova multiple times, not being set on defense and either able to find an open man in the corner for three or kind of get their offense started by having Villanova kind of back on their heels because they weren't able to get set up. Of course, defensively, things were still okay, in being that they held a very talented team to 57 points, but there were enough lapses and enough times where that happened that Marquette was able to really take advantage of that. Yeah, I believe Marcel had eight points in the first half and he only had 10 points overall. Mm. So that one was a, a good defensive performance there. I feel the same way, man. How many times have we talked about transition defense Gotta being get Villanova's yep. biggest weakness? And then we talked about how they were lapses man to man. We felt like they were stuck in the mud against Creighton. You definitely saw glimpses of that again. And it's, it's tiring to talk about. I, I'm exhausted having this conversation because I, I'll just say it like Villanova had a six game winning streak. Marquette came in, was a very good team. I attribute it to that. I don't think this needs to be a fire erupting. The world is ending. Marquette's good enough. I think mm-hmm. they, they might not get votes, but I think they are a good team. That they're a tournament team. Listen, they're a tournament yeah, team. Yeah, tournament yeah. team in Shaka Smart's first year. But what really impressed me specifically about Smart's game plan was how many different looks they threw at Nova, mm-hmm. offensively mm-hmm. and defensively, because it started with that three-quarter court press. Yes. It started with the half-court press. It was man-to-man, stifling man-to-man with incredible switches on D. And then you're right on offense. It seemed like the first half they were running it so fast or so slow, excuse me. And then the second half they started to switch things up and that's when Elliot got hot. Mm-hmm. So a team that's able to do so many things that well to add so many different wrinkles, it's tough to see any team defending against that. It is. And it's what Jay did try and throw a wrinkle. We'll say at Marquette where they did change to his zone. I think it was for like, 
two or three sequences in the first half. The issue is that Marquette ripped it to shreds and Jay never went back to it where they basically got Dixon to step up into the, the high like free throw line area and just went bounce pass straight in behind him uh, twice in a row. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it was, they were so strong at being able to cut to the basket and cut through that zone. So Jay was kind of for, while we've seen this here, he is open to going to that to the zone to try and change things up. Marquette showed immediately that they were going to tear through it if they were going to stay in it. So it turned into all man to man and kind of limited a little bit of Villanova's options. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I was wrong when I said they're too big for that. Marquette's guards were too athletic. And yes, they're good slashers. We can, yeah, we can uh segue into this because I know it's what the people are talking about. If we want to talk about the bench, mm-hmm. that was the reason why Brian Antoine was benched because he got beat so badly on a cut that he literally looked around. He looked behind him and his opposing defender was already finishing his layup. They were that quick. They knew their game plan so well, and they were able to execute it to a T because at least in the beginning, it took a, it took Villanova a long time to get into this game defensively. And I looked at Kempom and I actually don't remember the exact adjusted offense and defensive numbers. They did move. To fifth overall, their offense stands at nine and their defense stands at 11 now. I actually think that's more of an offensive back step than a defensive, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, I think you're right. I still can't believe the offense is that high, by the way, but yeah, that's, that's a different discussion. It's a different discussion. <laughs> uh, I just think the way Marquette was able to exploit Villanova's guards on D also reopens that wound that we thought had closed. Yes, <laughs> the reopen the wound that we thought had closed, I think, is how a lot of this is probably going to get looked at. Two of the big uh, storylines throughout the season has been bench depth and Villanova closing, mm. and both of them reared <laughs> their ugly Wait, head. What do you want to talk about first? I, I know, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, which one do you want to go? I mean, you mentioned the bench, so I guess we can yeah, go there first. Do I, I do. I mean, and the second one kind of bleeds into the bench uh, anyway. So I believe it was only six combined bench minutes between Antoine and Longino uh, today. You know, you did mention Antoine getting torched uh, with with those cuts there. I I still I, listen. I don't think it's the reason that Villanova lost, but I I also don't think we can count it out because. <laughs> Villanova, I don't think it's, I'm, I'm struggling over my words here because, like I said, coming back from the game, been a long day. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Villanova goes on six six game win streak after Villanova extends bench and starts mm-hmm. playing guys for a lot more minutes. And then Villanova drops game when Villanova goes to six man rotation uh, in the second half here. I don't think it's completely one to one. I don't think it's fair to fully draw it that way. But, you know, Gillespie and Moore played 39 and 38 minutes apiece. They are your go getters. Yeah, yeah. they're your go getters. They are your shot makers. And their shots were short at the end of the game when, when Villanova needed, needed those buckets to fall off the shots were short. And I, you know, I wonder if fatigue played a little bit in there, you know, of the starters, Jermaine Samuels was the one who played the least amount of minutes at 25. Caleb put up 27 there. There definitely was not a lot of uh, (laughs) uh, bench distribution here. And I, I wonder how much that played in down the stretch. I actually wonder if that's Caleb's season high minutes on the season. Did that's a good that question. 27 is a lot for him. It is. He's usually in like the low 20s. Yeah. Um, but 27's a, a, I played 31 against Xavier recently. Okay. Good call. Good call. But but uh, that does seem to be the, the higher tier of minutes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, certainly is. For Caleb. So I have a lot of thoughts here. I yeah, think this could be it. an extended conversation, <laughs> of course. And, and that's what people immediately are drawn to talk about. And I think it's a fair thing and a valid thing to go to. There is obvious correlation between Villanova's win streak and the extended bench. And there's obvious correlation between fatigue and missing shots and losing a lead, losing a lead late that correlates also to low bench minutes. We've talked a lot about how, yes, we have (laughs) how higher of a ceiling this team has when they get extended minutes from Brian Antoine and also Longino on a bit of a lesser scale, but just in, I mean, I think we literally talked about it on Tuesday, right? This, the ceiling of this team, what they can get from an eight and a half man bench, as opposed to the six and a half team bench Mm -hmm. player bench. I mean, my issue, and I was hesitant to attribute the losses to this at the beginning of the year. And I'm even more hesitant to do it now. First of all, Purdue and UCLA and what's the loss that I'm missing? 
Uh, Purdue, UCLA, Baylor are your yeah, big, Baylor, big thank ones. You. Yeah. Those are different caliber teams than Marquette, just to put that out there. The second thing is, once again, in those losses, Colin had an off shooting night. Justin Moore was really hot in the first half, but significantly cooled off in the second. Slater made one field goal. He shot a three. Eric, hey, we saw he it. Did shoot, he did shoot a three. I did a very good Dwight Schrute gift. Oh, did you? That's afterwards, great. <laughs> so I hope people appreciated that. I'll have to go check that out. I just, do you see the point I'm making? Like, I do. I do. Yes. Yes. These guys might be tired. Yes. We hate seeing a depleted bench. Colin has shot better in the past seven games and he had an off night. Let's talk about the correlation between Colin Gillespie playing well and Villanova winning. Oh, for As opposed sure. to this, this one-to-one thing that can't really be quantified. Oh, for sure. I think Gillespie was scoreless through the first 13 minutes of the game, too, if I'm yeah. remembering. Uh, and, was... and just before I let you get into that, too, yeah. that's an opposing team's game plan. So oh, I get absolutely. that. And actually, one of my thoughts was, I think it's incredibly impressive that Villanova, all, in all the way to, it's ad- adapted offensively in terms of penetrating the paint, they've also adapted by when Colin Gillespie is eliminated, that doesn't mean Villanova's <laughs> down and out at all. And I think you would have thought that at the beginning of the season. So I think that is a positive, but still it's tough to win when he's having an off night. And it was one of those nights. It was one of those nights. He definitely was not able to get into a rhythm. Maybe it had to do with him having to wear 31 uh, at one point during the game. Yeah. What? (laughs) Okay. Wait, can we actually, do you know the reason why that happened? Listen, I don't, I was just in the stands there. I have a feeling it it dealt with either a rip in his Jersey or blood are usually the two. Yeah. Like a cut. Exactly. Are usually the two things that'll get him to change the Jersey. But I, I thought I had lost my mind at one point when I'm watching it. I'm like, wait a second. Is he wearing 31? You want to know what my first thought was? What would that be? That all the guys were wearing threes for Josh Hart. <laughs> it's like Jackie Robinson I, day. I was like, wow, Josh Hart really made an impact on this program. That's incredible. We're all wearing threes for it. <laughs> but he was able to get it back in the second half. So that no, was good. No, yes, yes. No, that's phenomenal. You are definitely right that this team, it's probably more of a connection between Moore and Gillespie and that I think Moore came out with like seven points in the first 10 minutes or so, mm-hmm. absolutely on fire, and then only finished with 13 the rest of the way. Gillespie was never able to get into any sort of a rhythm. And we kind of know about the struggles we've seen elsewhere. Caleb Daniels is not in the middle of his best stretch either. And he's of course a key part to Villanova. And then I want to point this out as well, because I'm not, I don't think it's getting, you know, too much look at here. Villanova was four or five for the free throw line. That's 80%, but that's only four points from the line. Villanova's superpower this year is that they are just obliterating teams at the foul line. A, they're getting to it, and B, they're knocking them all down, and they're just taking advantage of being able to rack up so many points at the line. They had five free throws today. So it it wasn't an ability for them to go and rack up points here, and so I'm not shocked that the offense dried up to just 54 points when you think about how important free throws have been for this team all season long. Exactly. Very good point. And then when they're also, when they're not driving, when they're not drawing that contact, they're being forced to shoot from beyond the arc. Shout out Marquette on that. Yeah. And that's where you see some of those lopsided numbers that we just talked about from Moore and Gillespie. I have an, an interesting question and you can tell me if this is just overdone and I'm just in my head about it, but it seems like every single time Villanova struggles, my immediate thought and a lot of people's immediate thoughts are, They got to drive to the paint more. They got to penetrate. They got to be physical down low. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's it every single time? Because Marquette started off this game playing very well defensively down low. I think Villanova's first look, because they've seen how much of a strength it can be for them, is to find Dixon down low, is for Colin and Justin to drive Jermaine as well. Those looks seem to dry up because Kirk was playing so well down low because their guards – we're being really physical. So I wonder if I'm just getting into this well-traveled path of, oh, they're struggling. They got to drive more. Maybe that's not an option. Do you see another path here? Or was that just it every single time? The simplest answer is that the shots weren't falling. They shot yeah. six of 24 from beyond the arc and 38% as a team in total. And, and why is because Shaka Smart came into this game with a defensive game plan, understanding that Villanova has been exploiting teams by getting into the basket, by slashing, by, you know, becoming a lot more active around the post. And he said, no, 
in this game that they are Marquette was going to focus on clogging up the paint. They brought a ton of double teams. They got their hands in there as they always do. I know Villanova didn't really turn the ball over too much uh, with 10, but you know, it, 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 everything was contested uh, underneath. And there were some very, very difficult shots that Marquette forced Villanova and they made them uncomfortable most importantly. So I see where you're saying, cause yes, I often think like, listen, the three ball is not falling. You shot 25% from beyond the arc get down low and see what you can work out there. But Marquette very clearly went into this game saying they were going to focus on really making things get clogged up underneath the basket. I pushed my mic further away from my face so I could do this. Oh, wow. You're flattering me. Yeah, that's a great answer. I completely agree. I think, I mean, if you saw the way Shaka Smart coached on that sideline. <laughs> I, I couldn't take my eyes off him. So I'm my, the tickets that I had are on the basically close to Marquette. I, the Marquette bench is so active it was during electric. the game. Shaka really is down, you know, down on one knee, screaming, banging the floor, uh, going at it. He's pulling guys over during timeouts. Um, you know, he's basically out on the floor as a sixth defender um, at times with how far away from That's his bench That's got to be goes. illegal, too. <laughs> it it yeah. is. Uh, his assistants are screaming. Uh, like that Marquette, it is such a different feel around this Marquette team than it was a year ago where it felt like Wojo was dead man walking at that point. Mm-hmm. The, the energy around this program, I know we don't love to hype up other Biggie's teams, but I'm seriously from the Villanova perspective, I'm very impressed. And I know people probably don't want to hear that and I'll get some hateful things said to me. No, I actually, I'm glad you said that because I'm pissed after the game. You're pissed. I'm tweeting. I'm looking at other tweets and then Fanta and I think Rothstein and some other guys are talking about how big this is for Marquette. And we're not going to focus on that, but this is a huge win for Shaka Smart. That's a big deal. So I'm glad you brought that up. And another note, should we should we transition to Villanova closing on that uh, positive I, note? I'm glad you said that because I, I had to say it. I mean, yeah. I can say it in one sentence, three points in seven minutes down yeah. a stretch. And that was it. If quite simply, that was it. I don't think you can have the bench depth conversation and the closing conversation they exclusively. Overlap. Yeah, right? they, overlap. They, they, they have to. They basically are the same conversation. So I think we... I don't think we need to rehash it. My issue is that I, I agree with you just because Antoine gets beat, beat bad once on defense doesn't mean that he should play four minutes for the rest of the game. He's a junior, not a freshman. He should, right? he should not be treated like they treat Trey Patterson. He should be he, four minutes is in my mind, unacceptable. I feel um, the but, exact same way. I feel the exact same way. And Jay has admitted that because of the quote that you talked about last time about yep. his what whatever it was lack of intelligence was that the term that in- direct quote from jay yeah, that is not emma calling him stupid. yeah, yeah no. that is a direct quote from jay <laughs> so 30 when you see 39 and 38 minutes that's absurd especially when another one of our conversations from t- tuesday was is brian antoine making a explicit tangible impact on this team and he wasn't even able to prove that so no i don't believe it's one-to-one but it's really tough to see that. And it's also tough to see this team go scoreless for three plus minutes. And like I said, I don't believe this game is even comparable to Villanova's losses at the beginning of the season, but you can't shy away or hide or avoid the fact that Villanova has now lost its fourth game when they had, or maybe it's third game when they had a nine plus lead with 10 minutes left. Mm something in that hemisphere and i it, somebody tweeted it so it's patented villanova's three minute scoring drought because yeah. it seems like in these close games villanova gets really hot at the beginning of the second half and then they slowly start to lose it all and can't even score a bucket so if you want to take it the positive route it's that villanova actually did find some decent shots just none they didn't fall down the stretch if that's if you want to look at it the positive way how many shots did caleb make that were actually really good looks that just miraculously came yeah. out of the hoop no yeah, the, yeah rimmed out it, it was just it was rough there you know the negative way and it is kind of more the way that i feel with it is that these guys were exhausted and uh they didn't have the legs underneath them to be able to close out a game again especially <sighs> You know, a team that makes you exert the amount of energy that Marquette does with how Mm. they defend and then the pace they run offense, you're going to be tired. You're going to be a heck of a lot more tired than a team that plays at a slow pace like Villanova or or like a Butler, you know, that they just came up against. So it just I absolutely think they're intertwined. And that that is why I'm so annoyed 
um, at that portion of it. But I, I do think a, a, a big part of it is just the simple analysis that the, the shots didn't fall, even though some good looks were found. And it makes things a lot harder, right? It, it makes that conversation about why aren't they driving a lot more exposed because those shots aren't falling when they need them to. And I actually think you bring up a good point about being exhausted because some people might be thinking the reason why exhaustion was an issue against Purdue was because they had to play a game the day before. Mm -hmm. This is different. They played Butler however many days ago. Yeah, Sunday. Right. So that's a decent enough stretch, especially in the tournament. They're going to be thanking their lucky stars for when they had four days between games. The difference here is that Shaka's pace of play, and maybe pace isn't the right word because like we said at the beginning, it wasn't always cruising it down the court, high tempo, the intensity that he brought, the havoc that he brought, everything that's vintage Shaka smart, that makes teams uncomfortable. And towards the end of this game, Villanova looked uncomfortable, which was a complete 180 from how they controlled pace at the beginning of the second half when they were just so surgical and precise in whittling down that shot clock, finding the best shot it went in. And then on the, on the defensive end, they forced Marquette into that hole where they started making mistakes. And somehow that just unraveled and maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's all the things we talked about, but it is definitely another theme that's reared its ugly head, even after this win streak. Certainly is. So it's something that, you know, we keep having to touch on, uh, but, and we'll see how it progresses. You know, I, I, Georgetown is not a game that I think we're going to get a lot of ton of answers in. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, we'll see the next close game, you know, how do things get played? Do we, do we stick with the six man rotation or do things expand and, and try to give, you know, Antoine and Juan Gino probably to a lesser extent, you know, the ability to a give his teammates a rest and, and B try and make some sort of impact. Yeah, we talked about Slater potentially getting rest too. I'm just looking at the schedule and and when is that next game? Is it St. John's? Is it Marquette again? Because after Marquette, you get Connecticut and Seton Hall and Providence and Connecticut Connecticut again. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. This is definitely the part of the schedule where they needed to capitalize. And that doesn't mean it's over by any means. No, 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 sure not. I have one more cue if you didn't have anything else about this game. No, it was just to hit the Josh Hart stuff. So if you got one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want you to talk about that. Do you think Villanova's slow temper tempo ever hampers this team? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, You know what? Yes, I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And not in a way that like I understand what they're doing and it's how they want to play. Um, and that's totally fine. And that's not what this is about. It's more about sometimes I think they can be so dedicated to that slow tempo that they get forced into not putting up a great shot because they've drained the shot clock down so much that ball just needs to go up because Mm. otherwise you're going to get a shot clock violation. And I think that can be really, really frustrating. I mean, we've talked about it before that they don't love to run in transition as well. When I would love to see this team, at least try and push it a little bit to see if you can take advantage of things. Of course, it has worked wonders over the years playing a slower tempo. It allows for Villanova, you know, to try and take the steam out of games against teams that play really fast, like your Marquettes now, like your St. John's, like your Creighton's of years past, things like that. But I also think sometimes they're just so bought into it that it can actually hurt them with the shots that ends up getting thrown up. Yeah. And Brian Antoine is the name that specifically comes to mind when you talk about running transition, because he seems to fit perfectly into that mold if they ever wanted to experiment with that. But I feel the same way. So I had written that at the beginning of the game when Marquette was basically running all over them in the first 10 minutes or so. And then at the beginning of the second half, it was what I just said. Villanova completely controlled the pace. So I thought, okay, maybe it's not a bad thing. They're getting, they're just getting back into their groove. And I think it, resurfaced again by the end of the game. I feel the same way. And maybe it was this game specifically where it felt so evident, but the unselfishness on this team was a detriment in this game. Eric Mm. Dixon, Jermaine Samuels, Caleb Daniels gave up better looks for a pass. And it was inexplicable to me. And it happened multiple times and people were commenting on it. And that's always been a thing. That's Villanova basketball. That's attitude. We love that. I think that's what makes this team so good, but you're right. Sometimes you have a good shot and you should take that shot. And there were some of those patented interior passes that allowed 
Dixon or Samuels to get those dunks up, which was great. And that's great for morale. And I'm sure the atmosphere in the fin was awesome when that happened, Mm -hmm. but they gave up good shots and that worries me. And they only scored 54 points tonight. And you, you go further and further and faster and faster down that hill. It just seemed very apparent in this game that slow tempo is sometimes a bad thing because it's forcing this team to make more passes than it needs to. Yep. I, I listen, I, you, I'm with you, you know, it. so uh, it, something to watch. It's just something to watch. Exactly. It's not as fully a slight because we get that's how Villanova wants to play. And clearly it has worked many, many times, but can also have its drawbacks. Yeah. Another weird thing was that Villanova pretty sizably out-rebounded Marquette. Oh, that's Fox's favorite graphic is that Villanova <laughs> was undefeated when winning the rebounding margin. They're going to have to retire it now. See what happens when a game goes on CBS Sports Network, just all hell breaks loose. Oh my gosh, Villanova Tip Time said that. I oh, did they? The game, <laughs> I great. believe the game He's against awesome. Furman was on CBS Sports Network. Uh, I think you might have been right, actually. That was a bad omen. Here. Never bring it back. Never bring it back. We've actually I was abroad, had some really so I thought bad that was the only reason why CBS sports games. I think we played St. John's what a year ago and they ran us mm-hmm. off the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Might have been a CBS one. Ugh, there's... It was a hundred percent was because you and I were scrambling to watch that game. Remember? Oh, that's true. It was cutting out. So I couldn't really watch it, which was a good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not always I, a bad thing. <laughs> I I did want to shout out a Villanova student though, at the quote of the night when I was walking through the quad on the way back to the car, he said, end quote, I'm terrified of the Ken Palm drop after this game. Just that's my kind of guy. Um, So if you're listening to this, like, just thank you for being the type (laughs) of fan that you are. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. I don't think it it really wasn't. They dropped from three to five. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I'm sorry. I keep bringing up more things. My last question to you is, was this loss shocking? And all the things we've talked about, the bad things, the bench depth and the closing issue that that reared its ugly head again was this loss a shock if you look at the odds makers yes which blew my mind that Villanova was minus 14 Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened Uh, it's not a shock for me because well (laughs) it's not a shock for me right now with how Marquette is playing if you asked me a month ago I would have said I'd be shocked of course yeah but with everything that Marquette is doing right now and knowing how much of a foil they are to Villanova uh, for just the style of play. No, I I'm not surprised if listen, being up 10 at home and then finding a way to lose. Yeah. I can call that shocking, but pregame. No, I, I, I would not be shocked. Yeah. I think there are things. Villanova so absolutely. <laughs> you did cop. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> Villanova absolutely let this one slip away. But my, I'll, my point as well, as long as well as yours was that Marquette is too good of a team to put everything on Villanova in this one. Yes, there are things to focus on. Yes, there are issues to watch in the future. And if it continues to happen, then we have some issues. This is not the 20-point loss at Creighton that created the same panic bells there. I think this is different. They lose to Georgetown on Saturday. That's a shocker. That's yeah. a shocker. Losing... We're going to need people to sub for us because we yeah. will be unavailable. I'm not, I'm not coming in um, next Tuesday if that, if that happens. Um, but no, losing to this version of Marquette, I, I don't think it's a shock. Yeah. All right, sweet. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. 57 to 54 loss. Really, really brutal. Why don't you tell us the positive thing? Tell us about the Josh Hart time running. Absolutely. So it was a great, you know, part of why I was so excited to be here uh, tonight was to be able to see Josh Hart, you know, one of my all-time favorite Villanova players, have his jersey honored. Uh, They played a really nice video for him uh, during the ceremony. You know, there were uh, appearances from Ryan Archdiakono, uh, Mikael Bridges, shoot, who else was in there? Daryl Reynolds, Chris Jenkins, definitely missing somebody. Uh, The Bridges and and Arch were were very funny in it. So it was, you know, really cool to, to see them get to talk about one of their teammates, and, you know, go, go through how important Josh was to Villanova, of course, with all the highlights playing in the background. Um, you know, it was a, a cool ceremony at center court. Josh got to speak for a little bit as well, uh, made jokes about wearing four inch heels and how painful it was, um, <laughs> <laughs> which Josh is tall enough. I don't know why he went with the four inch heels, but, you know, hey, all about style. Right. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just it was nice. You know, he, he thanked a bunch of people. Uh, you know, I thanked the fans. Everyone was was really into it. It was a really nice ceremony. I was very happy to be able to be there for him and just super cool to be able to see him, his wife, his, uh, his parents. It was just a, an awesome night for Villanova basketball, honoring one of their greats. Just so, so tough that they lost the game. 
Yeah, it's a bummer. But that really is awesome. And it's not surprising at all that so many people, when asked who their favorite Villanova player is, mm-hmm. without a doubt, say Josh Hart. He's such a stud. And he's just yeah. so important to the lifeblood of of what that Villanova era was. Um, yeah. You know, I it's not Josh Hart related, but it's retired jersey related. I wanted to ask you a question about a player that I forgot to mention Ooh, on Tuesday. Me. And I think it's because it's such an interesting case. Does Phil Booth get any any thought for you because <sighs> think about it i know he doesn't have the peak that a jalen brunson has but the longevity of the fact that he was there so long because he did have the redshirt here you know he came in in 2014 as a freshman yeah he's pulling a call in here <laughs> he did and left in 2018 19 i believe he finished with four big east regular season titles mm. three big east um tournament titles you know, on top of being a two-time NCAA champion, an NCAA all-tourney, Big East tournament MVP, 2018-19 all-Big East first-teamer. There are so many accolades with how many games Phil Booth played. And, you know, when he was the guy, he averaged 19 points a game. What do you think? And he had those 20 points off the bench in the championship game. Oh, I, I, how could I not mention that? I think that's mentioned. That has to be mentioned anytime. The Phil 2016. Booth, 20 yeah, points. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It is a very, very interesting point. Did I'm this just come curious, to you? Somebody bring it somebody Yes, bring my it dad up? did. He was like, you, oh, you didn't mention Phil Booth. And I audibly gasped when he texted wow. me because I had meant to bring him up and I forgot to write him down on my sheet. So, uh, so I funny. felt terrible. So I had to ask you. It's another interesting one. I also love how many words we have now used to describe it. On Tuesday, we were saying body of work and... <laughs> what best moments and today we're using peak and longevity i mean i love it i lean no Mm. i lean no i lean bridges over booth again well the the question is do we have to pick either or yeah can they both be in because if you really do look at the longevity to use it again two national titles all those big easts all those honors i think you lean yes really um with it, but I, I I get your point where if you're comparing, you know, player wise, yes, Mikael Bridges was was a better player than Phil Booth. Just all the things that were won, I think, is what makes him such a tricky, uh, tricky question. You know, mm. for it. actually, that's something too. Like if you know, Villanovans out there listening, tweet us what you think. Does Phil Booth get his jersey uh, honored at some point with all the things that he won? We'd be very curious to hear. Should we make yeah. a poll and try? I it would love way. it. All right, we'll send yeah. out a poll. We'll make a poll tomorrow when this drops. We'll do our, the four best ones. Throw Scotty Reynolds in there. Get the people talking. Oh uh, well, you know Scotty's gonna win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say something. What was it? Oh, uh, longevity. Do you think for the next couple of years we're going to be dealing with COVID extra years of eligibility? Yes. <laughs> yes. Does that? change anything <laughs> colin and jermaine have this fifth year that not a lot of other guys have no colin's got a shot to hit 2000 points which he yeah. never would have without the covid year so it's uh it's, it's like nfl week 18 pretty much yeah no tj watt fake fake sack leader with michael strahan i'm kidding don't come at me um Pat, i literally cannot even entertain that thought. <laughs> this is a giant fan talking remember um no no it, it's a question that we're going to have to continue to analyze throughout the years yeah. because yes they're going to be guys playing a lot more basketball yeah it's interesting i hope we can have this conversation more because they give us more announcements about retirement ceremonies yeah absolutely yeah uh one more housekeeping thing too i keep saying pat and i always that we're going to read out reviews on Thursdays and we always forget. So we got a really, really nice one from John and CC at the beginning of January. They labeled it a must listen for Nova fans. Pat, they said you brought the numbers and analysis and I talk wow. about the looks and the personnel, which I think characterized us pretty well. So John and CC, thank you so much. And feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to be read on the show. We really appreciate the support. Yeah, thank you to everyone for, for leaving their reviews. We really appreciate it. So... Normally in this situation, we would preview the upcoming opponent, do a whip around the Big East and answer some questions. But the next opponent is Georgetown. There isn't a ton to say about Georgetown. So Pat, if it's okay with you and if it's okay with everybody else, we'll probably make this pretty brief and move right along to our questions. Yeah. Uh, Georgetown, six and eight on the season. Um, They've been demolished in every big east game they've played so far um they beat syracuse which is just hysterical 
So what, what, on that. It's just hysterical. Their best other win was against Longwood at home. Um, yeah. So as Emma said, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Quick question. Is Aminu Muhammad still the Big East freshman of the year? Oh, that's a tough question. Do, we count, do, just... <laughs> do we count Justin Lewis as a freshman? <laughs> no. Is he going to be? I don't know if he's actually considered uh, as a part of the ward. Because if he is, he's the Big East freshman of the year. Of course. But it's yeah, year two for him. so hesitant to do that. I know. Yeah. Muhammad's Something been to think about. fine. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's taken the league by storm like many thought he was going to. Um, but then again, clearly he hasn't gotten a lot of help. I was just going to say Georgetown's under exceeded expectations that were already pretty low. So it's just wow. been one of those seasons. That was that was vicious in like a non-aggressive way. So I really appreciate <laughs> I how you worded that. <laughs> I didn't mean to be overly vicious. <laughs> no, that's right. It's just the way it is. <laughs> you you want to get to questions? I know we're going. Yeah, let's long. do it. We got some good ones. Of course, I tweeted out our normal tweet asking for questions at halftime, knowing actually not knowing how this game was going to end, but I think it was a good one to kind of test the temperature. So we've got a few, few good ones to go through. Absolutely. From our friend, John Palme, how many games does Slater need off to return back to early season form? We saw earlier in this year and will Jay ever wear a suit again? I think no to the second question. I Mm. think that ship has sailed. Unfortunately for many, to be honest, I'm sick of this conversation, sick (laughs) of the suit conversation. We all just have to be happy with the fact that he's wearing athleisure now. The first one, um, I don't, I don't think I can give a specific number here. Pat and I talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Villanova has the benefit of the softer schedule, but as we saw on Wednesday night, that quote unquote soft schedule might not be soft on a given night. So maybe less against Georgetown, maybe less against DePaul. I think they need him to play again against the St. John's Marquette UConn stretch. So it doesn't really give him a lot of room for rest. What do you think? I think it's, it's a fair question, but I think it's an impossible question to answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can't watch him out there and say he's not compromised in some way. I know he finally put up four field goals and he made one three, but he's just, it's, he's nowhere near playing with the, you know, aggressiveness and tenacity we kind of saw out of him in the beginning of the season. And I, Jay even said in his press conference leading into this game that that Slater's not playing at hundred percent that he's compromised. So I, I would love to be able to give him the Georgetown game off at least uh, just to give, give him, you know, a day where he doesn't have to play and see if that ankle can get a little bit of time to heal. I hope so. Yeah. 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 From Rob Ensome, uh, do you miss Wojo? No, <laughs> I do after today because I'm not sure. I don't think Wojo wins that game. <laughs> true, true. But I think as a general basketball fan, you have to love what Shaka Spring, uh, Shaka Smart brings. Yeah, I'm a big, I've always been a big yeah. Shaka fan going back to VCU I remember this. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he underachieved that Texas and that's fair to say, but I still think the guy is one of the better coaches in the sport. Agree. All right. Uh, we'll save that question for the end from Craig Z. Will Eric Dixon be Biggie's player of the year next season? Wow. Coming out firing. <laughs> you take this one first. You brought up the Eric Dixon dominant question. On I Tuesday. did. So I guess I kind of set things in motion for this. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I look at his own team and say, if Justin Moore doesn't test the NBA waters, mm. Justin Moore would, it would be more of a favorite. On this team, I think Patrick Madden puts in a really great point about Adama Sanogu, who I am all over uh, for how much of a stud he is for UConn. I think Eric Dixon continues to be a a good player for Villanova. I think, you know, uh, to quote MJ, the ceiling is the roof um, to see how far he can he can go up. Uh, But I I can't say that I think he's going to be Big East player of the year. That's just such high expectations. Yeah. When you think about the leap from last year to this year, it's obviously exceeded expectations, but I still don't think Big East player of the year is in that universe right now, even if he exceeds expectations for next year. I can't think of a ton of other options off the top of my head. I think Julian Champagny is still a junior. I doubt he comes back next year. Yeah, I think he's a goner. That's why I didn't mention him. Yeah, I'm trying to think of of other guys. It's so hard to do this without knowing who's going to be here. Exactly. There are so many guys that are probably going to test the waters. I mean, a lot of Providence is is leaving. A lot of Seton Hall is old. So we we don't have to do this whole discussion now. But I think you're right. Justin Moore is a very good preseason pick (laughs) at this point. That's just the Villanova way of looking at it. Um, Yeah. Because I, I do think Sonogo might might really be the guy. Um, yeah, he's incredible. He really is. Two questions left. What if t- from two, you know, big listeners for us. Jerry Quinn coming in actually with three questions from Jerry. 
Why did we not see more Brian Antoine in the second half? I know we kind of hit that uh, already, so we can skip over that. Two, Jermaine is not an impact player. We need him to be right now. Why and what can be done? Yeah, I think that's a very fair question to be asked. I did think he was better against Marquette, and I think there's an interesting correlation with him, too, because at the beginning of every season, it feels like Jermaine Samuels is the unheralded hero that can turn Villanova (laughs) from a really good team to a national contender and he starts off hot and then he simmers and then he shows glimpses again and then he simmers and it feels like that's been even more of the case this year which has been incredibly frustrating because now in his fifth year we know what the potential can be and we've yet to see it on an incredibly consistent basis for me it's just confidence and authority and when we see him dunking when we see him driving to the hoop and being physical and bodying up those guys in the post it makes me wonder why he doesn't do it more. You actually mm-hmm. saw more of a shot this game. We, he really hasn't shot the ball in a few games. We're, of course, we're all traumatized from all those shots he did put up that he missed. I think it's just continuing to go back to his biggest strength, which is being physical in the paint and giving him an opportunity to score down low. That's the big key for him. Yeah, it's it's frustrating with Samuels to an incredible extent because we talk about players progressing and he has undoubtedly taken a step back in year five. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's down across the board in basically everything. Field goal percentage, three point percentage, points, rebounds, assists. He's down everywhere, um, which is really, really frustrating. Uh, I do think. Marquette game was a step in the right direction for him because he was around the rim a lot. As you said, he used physicality. We had a couple dunks in there. The four turnovers are unacceptable from him yeah. against Marquette, and that just has to be better. Um, but I, I do think you saw some things start to move in the right direction for him. Um, but otherwise, that this season has been nothing short of a disappointment. Um, and it's hard to say because we know how important Jermaine is to this team, and especially right. just chemistry-wise too. Um, but this is more was expected and more was needed from him. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm I'm grasping at straws talking about the small improvements on offense because everything else is still low and his defense has been his thing this year, but yeah, he hasn't particularly wowed in that arena in the past few games either. So we're definitely grasping a little bit because we know what Jermaine can be and we know how much better he makes this team. And hopefully it's just incremental progress over the next few games. And last question from Jerry, what was your favorite Josh Hart moment? I would be remiss to not let you take this one. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, so I, I am a huge fan of cop outs. So that's what I'm going to do um, and give you, you know, some of the moments that, that immediately come to mind, the putback against Seton Hall in the Big East tournament for, for Villanova. I was there and I absolutely lost my mind uh, when Josh got the rebound and put it back through, uh, especially at Madison Square Garden, all the added pressure that goes into that with Seton Hall in that game. I think of... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. I think of the game against Notre Dame where he scored 37 points Oh yeah, uh, against the Irish. I believe that was at the Prudential Center um, in Jersey and how cool that was. And uh, I believe he also had Villanova's first triple double in a very long time in a game our freshman year at the old pavilion against St. Joseph's. It was either St. Joseph's or Temple's. It was one of the big five games. So those are three ones that, that come to mind with me. Obviously, you know, the the triple doubles more of uh, a personal touch. The fact that I was there, but the, the Seton hall put back in the Notre Dame game were just two that I, I will never forget when I think of Josh, I will never forget the Seton hall put back as well. Yeah. And as you said that another memory came to me and I believe it was actually his missed shot, but it was at the Wells Fargo, our sophomore year, oh, yeah, UVA yeah. Josh Hart shot misses Dante with the pit back to win. Of course. Does that sound right. Incredible. I think it was our freshman year. Um, was it our yeah, freshman year? I believe uh, so, but I know that exactly was one what you're talking of, about. That was one of my most fun memories at any Villanova game that I've ever attended. That was one of oh, the best absolutely. games I've ever been to. No, yeah. it was awesome. So thank you, Jerry, for those questions. And we're going to close off with the big one from Brandon Riley. It's a really difficult question, and I'm <laughs> not sure I can fully give it to you. Um, how would you rank Villanova's last six centers? So for everyone, that's Eric Dixon, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, Amari Spellman, Daryl Reynolds, and Daniel Ochefu. Okay. It's so hard. I don't know where to start, Prendon. I don't know yeah. where to start. This does raise morale a little bit, so I appreciate the question. I will give you the first two that came to my head. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it was Spellman and Jerry. 
Okay. I say Spellman and Ochefu right okay. ahead of JRE. Yeah. I think Spellman's the most talented of them all. Um, I, but Ochefu, I, I think Eugene actually tweeted uh, very similar to this. You know, Ochefu, how valuable he was to, to that team and, you know, yeah. that run, that era really of Villanova. I, I have to put him so far up there. And Jeremiah was the two years. I think that kind of I is know. what goes again. I, but then again, I say that about Spellman. He was truly one year, but. <laughs> Talk about longevity. Yeah, Eugene had Ochefu 1A, Spellman 1B. Um, it's just so funny how the big game has progressed too because we've talked about this before, about just how versatile Jerry was on offense. And he, he I, I don't want to say the word revolutionized because he made fun of me last time for saying it so much. <laughs> but he did. He myself. was so, so versatile and athletic down low. And that's so different from what Spellman and Ochefu's games were so it's difficult to compare them I think when you talk about value you have to give the nod to guys like Spellman and and Ochefu because of what they what they racked up the titles they have and and some of these other younger guys don't have that maybe it's yet but right now I definitely I definitely give an ode to some of the older guys too yep I think that's fair I will even where he is right now I will then put Dixon at four um just because I think of how good He's been this season, and I think I factor in a little bit of the potential there. And then I feel like Reynolds and and Demir are kind of interchangeable. Uh, You know, when I think of Demir, of course, played a role, a small role, but a role on that uh, 2018 championship team. And then Daryl Reynolds, you know, obviously was always kind of the guy behind Ochefu. But if, if you'll remember from that, that 16 championship season, mm. Oshefu was out for, you know, a, a little while stretch and, and Daryl had to step in and, and start it. I believe it was seven games. Um, and, you know, he put up some decent numbers for him and he held it down and he always played his role really well. So it's difficult for me to differentiate the two mm. um, there, but I will put Dixon slightly above them just because I think of talent level. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I, I, I would leave such a tough Dixon question lower just because it's so new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen such a limited sample of Dixon. So I'll do, I'll do um, Spellman Ochefu. Or, I'm sorry. Spellman, Jerry Ochefu, Reynolds, Dixon, DCR. Okay. Okay. I think no, that's it's... what my final answer is. <laughs> and, and honestly, Dada has, has dealt with so many issues too, that it's hard to, to take that in perspective certainly is um so yeah. i i, I wish that is a good question it's a Talk great question it's a great question as we entertain it around midnight here on the east coast uh but our <laughs> brains are still working <laughs> we're trying we're trying we're, we're trying. doing the best we can <laughs> yeah but no this though. one i was gonna say this one was fun i mean i always love talking about Villanova basketball there are obviously a lot of issues that reopened after this game but they will be okay. It's just one loss. I don't think they'll drop too far in the rankings because I do think if Marquette continues to play at this level, this won't be Villanova's worst loss. How about that? Ooh. Yeah, no, I think this Marquette team is really good. Of course, it's disappointing. Uh, Villanova still needs to work on closing games out and figuring out that rotation. But Josh Hart got his number retired tonight. Yeah, so. let's let's f- finish on that. Focus on that. Congratulations, and you got to go, Josh. which is awesome. I did, which was very, very cool. Yeah, cool. All right, sweet. That'll do it for us here then on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VU Hoops for our game recap on Marquette, and it will help get you ready for Georgetown coming this weekend. Be sure to leave a rating, subscribe to the show, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod, and we will be back at it on Tuesday. Nova Nation, have an awesome weekend. And Nova Nation. That's a wrap.